This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Trey. Thank you for joining us for another Tuesday's Tuesday edition, Tuesday's edition. You would think by now I'd have that right, but I'm still not sure which is right. But here's what I do know. Um, It's election day. So I want to give you a couple of pre-election thoughts that might kind of guide our thought process. Uh, Let's start with this. What are your expectations if the election turns out the way you want it to? However that is, what are your expectations and are those expectations reasonable? Are they rooted in reality and probability? And one of the hardest lessons to learn in life is to set the proper expectations. It is tempting to overpromise because many of the folks who would seek your advice, who want you to comment on it, they want to hear the rosiest projections. Uh, Reasonableness is boring. Uh, We want to be excited. We want to be entertained. Several years ago, a now U.S. senator promised to repeal and replace Obamacare, and that was the expectation he set. He raised lots of money off of people who believed it could happen. Was it realistic? Um, Well, let's see now. Um, Would the president at the time, the president was Barack Obama. And that health care bill was commonly referred to as, let me see if I can remember. Oh, yeah, Obamacare. So was President Obama ever going to sign the repeal of his signature piece of legislation, um, which was named after him? Was that ever going to happen? I'm, I'm not saying would the House pass legislation that undid it. I'm not saying would the Senate go along with it. I'm saying was the president, was President Obama ever going to sign the repeal of his signature piece of legislation, which bore his name? So while we're talking about setting realistic expectations, would Donald Trump ever take his name off a Trump Tower? I don't think so. Would Tiger Woods ever change his name to small Persian kitten woods? No. I don't think Barack Obama was ever going to sign the repeal of his signature piece of legislation. Although this senator convinced you it was possible if only you wanted it badly enough and if only you donated enough money to him. And not only did it not happen under President Obama, it didn't happen under President Trump. The first pass at it, as you will recall, was or maybe actually some folks don't recall this. The first go at it was killed by House Republicans who thought the bill was not conservative enough. And this is after Republicans had the House, the Senate, and President Trump was in office. The first kind of go at the repeal slash replace of the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare was killed by House Republicans who thought the bill 
was not conservative enough. And perhaps they were right, perhaps not, but the repeal and replace failed. And the second pass, which was much, much more famous, much better known, that was killed when John McCain, as you will recall, gave his thumbs down on the Senate floor. So it turns out Republicans couldn't even agree among themselves how to repeal and replace when they had everything, the House, the Senate, and the White House. So how in the world was it a realistic expectation to do it when you didn't have all three? You couldn't do it when you did have all three. That senator, if you were to ask him, would probably tell you still that it was possible if only we tried harder, fought harder, donated more, argued louder. I just think we ought to ask ourselves, was Barack Obama ever going to sign the repeal of a health care bill that bore his name? Ever. Was the media ever going to be negative enough about the legislation or about him or positive enough about the repeal and replacement that it would generate public support? I don't I don't think that was ever a realistic expectation. We were told it was. And because people wanted to believe something, it kind of skews our our view, our version of reasonableness, because we really, really want it to happen. It therefore must be reasonable as you look back on it. And I would argue even at the time, if you're looking at it, is it realistic that President Obama was ever going to sign the repeal of arguably the only legislative accomplishment he had? So the time spent, in my judgment, misleading you would have been far better spent meeting with your fellow Republicans and coming up with a plan that could actually pass if there ever was a GOP president. That would have been a much better use of time because, as we learned, even with a GOP president, it didn't get repealed and replaced. That's Republicans. What about Democrats and their expectations? Well, for all of the talk about immigration and gun control and climate change, the only thing that I can think of that they accomplished under President Obama was health care. And then, and then they were thrown out of office in the House shortly thereafter. Only for two years did he have the House and the Senate. And after he spent two years on a straight party line vote passing the so-called Affordable Care Act, House Democrats were thrown out of office. All right, what did they do under President Biden? Had the House, the Senate, and the White House, uh, they passed what they called the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, the name of a bill does not have to bear any semblance to what it actually does, but that's what they called it, Inflation Reduction Act. All the fancy promises made on the campaign trail did not come to pass. In part, I would argue, because the expectations they set were so wildly unrealistic to begin with. If you think about it, in a House barely controlled by Democrats with a 50-50 Senate, and one of the 50 Democrats represents a state where neither Hillary Clinton nor Joe Biden carried a single solitary county, and that would be West Virginia and Joe Manchin. So you got a House barely controlled by Democrats, a 50-50 Senate, and one of the 50 Democrats you're counting on represents a state where other than the sociology department at West Virginia University, 
you'd have a hard time finding any Democrats in the state of West Virginia. And you had a president and President Biden largely elected simply because he was not his opponent. What, I mean, really, what were the realistic expectations? And, and when you look back on it, I mean, how's progressives interpret a tie in the Senate as a mandate for transformational change? I mean, their thought process was let's radically change the country, even though no one elected you to do that. Let's fundamentally change the United States, even though the vast majority just want it made better, not transformed. Politicians and their dumb promises and their unmerited mandates and unrealistic expectations. So what is reasonable after Tuesday? What is a reasonable expectation after Tuesday? First and foremost, the stopping of things you do not agree with if you're a Republican. Just the stopping of things you do not agree with. If the Senate switches, then you can realistically expect changes in the way judges are nominated and confirmed, tougher nomination hearings. Uh, President Biden is going to have to work with the other side if he wants to have any legislative accomplishments. And his base will not want him to do that. So, essentially, he will be done as a candidate. Either he works with the Republicans and falls out of favor with the Democrat base, or he does not and accomplishes nothing. And either way, his path to renomination is much, much tougher. That is a realistic expectation after Tuesday. There are some bills which must pass. Not many, but some. Funding bills, appropriations bills, they must pass or they're are no appropriations. And I know that there are some folks who sort of spoil for a shutdown. I can tell you, having lived through a number of them, the party seen as responsible for the shutdown does not fare well um, in the court of public opinion. Uh, It was while I was there, largely the GOP, the Republican Party, that did not fare well in the court of public opinion, and that was for a couple of different reasons. But Also, remember, the Democrats shut down government, too, and even their press was not good, Um, which could be the seventh sign of the apocalypse for the D.C. media to turn on the Democrat Party. But even when the Democrats were seen as responsible for the government shutdown, their press was not good and their uh, public perception was not good. So there will be folks clamoring for that. There will be folks clamoring to use the debt ceiling. Uh, to implement some fundamental changes in mandatory spending. What's a realistic thing for us to do uh, in the aftermath of Tuesday? Um, I think it is realistic for us to ask whether the debt ceiling was raised when the Republican Party controlled the House, the Senate, and the White House. So I will pose that question. Did Republicans raise the debt ceiling when there was a Republican president, a Republican Senate, and a Republican House? And the answer is yes. Every single time it needed to be raised, it was raised. Did Republicans insist on structural change before raising their own borrowing limits? No. I'm Trey Gowdy, and we'll have more coming up. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, 
Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. What else is reasonable? Consequences. There must be consequences for elections or else why have them? The consequences of a GOP house will be that the Democrat legislative wish list is over. I mean, they couldn't do it when they control Congress in the White House. So why in the world would they be able to do it if they don't control all of the gears of government? So their legislative agenda is done. It's over. What about the GOP legislative wish list? Well, I don't mean to be cynical. I think it's realistic to say that's done too. President Biden's not going to sign it. You can stop bad things from happening, but in terms of affirmatively implementing what you want to happen, it's going to be very, very difficult when the president is in a party other than the party that controls Congress. Can some things be done? Yes. And there's historical precedent for Republican-controlled houses and senates getting things signed by a Democrat president. I think that's tougher now. I think the political environment is tougher So, again, I am big into realistic expectations. That way, people are not disappointed. We're not expecting a new pony for Christmas, and then we're kind of upset because we get, you know, a box of Legos. We have to set realistic expectations. I think it is realistic for us to assume we're going to tread water legislatively. We're going to not drown, but we're going to tread water legislatively. It is realistic for you to assume if the Senate changes, very different look for judicial candidates um, or, or else. There's no reason to have elections if those elections don't have consequences. And the consequence is the Republican Party controls the Senate. So confirmation proceedings for judges should be different. Confirmation proceedings for cabinet level officials, if there are vacancies, should be different. And then we get to this big, uh, this big thing called investigations. The party that controls the House and the Senate controls the investigative agenda. So the first thing I would ask you to ask yourself is, what do you want to know more about? That's question number one. Is it crime? Is it inflation? Is it supply chain? Is it Afghanistan? Is it Hunter Biden? Is it FISA? Is it the Department of Justice? What do you want to know more about? Because the party that controls the House and the Senate gets to set those hearings. But then we have to temper those expectations with the reality that subpoenas are only as good as the power to enforce. So who gets to enforce subpoenas? Well, the way the process works, Congress issues a subpoena it isn't complied with, they can move the whole house. They can put on the floor of the house to hold that person in contempt. And then there's a house vote. And let's assume that person is held in contempt. There's a referral to the United States attorney. But who does the U.S. attorney work for? The executive branch. Who controls the executive branch? President Biden, at least for the next two years. So will there be Subpoenas, yes. Will there be contempt votes? Probably so. Will there be contempt citations? Probably so. Will there be referrals for criminal prosecution? 
Probably so. Will there be prosecutions? Probably not. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if a Biden-picked U.S. attorney or a Biden Department of Justice went to great lengths, including criminal prosecution, to enforce a GOP House subpoena. And again, we're not talking about the world as it should be. We're not talking about what is fair. We are talking about what is a realistic expectation. However, that is not where the inquiry ends. Okay, you make a criminal referral, the executive branch doesn't do anything with it. Do you, as a Republican House or a Republican Senate, have any more arrows in the quiver? Do you have any more tools in the toolbox? And you do. You got a big one. If only you will use it. I remember uh, one of the more fascinating dinners I was invited to. I think my old friend Peter Roskam from Illinois invited me to have dinner with Justice Scalia. And we were going around the table and we got to all ask Justice Scalia a question. And this issue has always fascinated me. These interbranch squabbles, the legislative branch, the judicial branch, the executive branch, and of course, Congress and the executive branch, they fight over contempt and they fight over subpoenas and documents. And then we all go run into the courts. So I wanted to ask him how he kind of saw that because the courts are asked to be the referees. They're asked to kind of referee these fights between the other two branches. And he made it very clear. He thinks the legislative branch has enough tools. They have enough weapons. They don't need to go running to court. What's the number one weapon or tool they have? Appropriations. If you request documents, if you request the presence of witnesses and you are denied, then you should hit them in the, with the only language that people understand, which is appropriations. I'm not talking about a government shutdown. I'm talking about cutting the funding. If, if I'm asking you to send certain witnesses and you're not sending those witnesses, then I am left to conclude that maybe those witnesses aren't all that important. So therefore, maybe I'll cut the funding for them. Or maybe, just maybe, I need some documents and you're not making those documents available to me so I can understand how the FBI does what it does, why the DOJ did what it did. If, if you're not helping me with my legitimate oversight and investigations, we're going to cut the funding. That is the music that they dance to in that town. So it's not just contempt and having a criminal trial three years from now where someone may or may not get put on probation. Uh, that is music that people uh, don't like to dance to either. But the real music in that town is money. And the legislative branch does have influence and power. Now, they cannot make the executive branch prosecute someone, but they can sure control the money. So what's kind of the overarching thing that's going to be going through my head Tuesday night? A couple of things. Anticipation is always better than realization. That's true when we're going on trips. You know, you can be sitting there thinking this is going to be the greatest beach house in the world. This is the weather's going to be ideal. There are not going to be any sharks. You can go through all this, but the reality is anticipation is almost always better than realization. 
but it doesn't have to be. If we anticipate or expect reasonably, then there should be some symmetry between what we expect and what we get. So I think we ought to be very reasonable. And I, uh, as I have said before, there is merit in stopping things that you do not agree with. And we cannot take that for granted. If you're a Republican, there is merit in stopping things that you do not agree with. The other thing I would ask you to be on alert for on Tuesday night are the explanations given for whatever happens. And gone are the days of leaders saying, the buck stops with me. It's my responsibility. It's my fault. I'm accountable. Hold me accountable. Blame no one but me. Those days are gone. Nowadays, politicians claim they won, even if they didn't. Politicians blame their losses on everyone other than themselves. There will be candidates who blame voting laws, even though it's easier than ever to vote. The media will cast blame at all places other than themselves. Elections are like a giant jury trial. And the American people are the jury. And the lawyers have made their case. The lawyers have been making their cases. It seems like the trials are go on forever now. They start the morning after the most recent election. But they're like a giant jury trial. And you got people arguing on both sides. And then the American people sit as the jury. And as hard as it is to wrestle with, and it certainly was in court, the jury is right, even if we wish they were not. I mean, when the jury speaks, they have spoken. And we have to accept the consequences. If things go the way it looks like they're going to go tomorrow night, it will be because America is a center-right country that was being led by something other than a center-right Congress. And people are going to correct that. And I think that's what's going to happen Tuesday night. Beginning Wednesday morning, we should have realistic expectations and hold those elected officials responsible to meet those realistic expectations or else the good thing about democracies is there's always another election right around the corner i hope you enjoy your tuesday night and i look forward to being back with you a week from today take care bye thank you for joining us From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.